Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And we have a special shit show today. I was just thinking about the first time that you showed up on Zoom. <laughs> you were in a towel. And your hair was in a towel. And you were hyst- you were hysterically crying. <laughs> well, I, I think I hysterically cried for like maybe the first like at least couple months. Welcome right? Colleen. Coco, Colleen Coco, the crier. Yeah, I cry a lot. I'm jealous. And I remember just thinking that you look like Casey Rose Wilson, so. Oh, yeah, you did say that. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Okay, well, before we get into why the fuck you were crying, (laughs) uh, what song do you want played when you walk into a room? Oh, these days, um, Florence of the Machine, Dog Days Are Over. Okay, beautiful. Um, uh, carbohydrate. Uh, oh, I've been thinking a lot about this since carbs are my enemy. <laughs> um, warm bread and butter. Oh, what um, kind of a bread? Ooh, like a sourdough. It's got to be sourdough or French, but I'll sourdough number one. Sourdough number one. Oh, Don't get me wrong. I love carbs, but if I have a carb or I drink a beer, I'm bloated for like two weeks Mm. and it is a sitch. My body type is I, I, I would be perfect in a famine because I can just blow up with just a one. (laughs) It would sustain me for weeks. (laughs) That's good to know. So when the apocalypse happens, Oh, it'll be me and the cockroaches. It's share (laughs) in the apocalypse. I have survived so much shit. Oh, it'll be me and the cockroaches for sure. Good. Um, okay, cheese. Oh, um, so have you ever had a cowie? A what? A cowie. A cowie? Yeah. A K A W A I. It's a Middle Eastern cheese that's like a cross between feta and mozzarella. It's salty. Mm. It's melty. It's amazing. It's like th- yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I have had it at like a restaurant before yeah yeah Mm, buddy Mm, that sounds delicious I go Uh, way out of my way to the middle eastern store to pick it up at least once a month yeah and then what do you do with it oh I make a little quesadilla with it Mm. um okay condiment okay so I was thinking about that if you open up my refrigerator I have every single condiment on earth but my most frequent go-to is a combination is ketchup with uh, yellow mustard and relish. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mixing it together. Mixing it together. Got to get the 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 right color tone. What Ooh. kind of mustard? Yellow. What uh, are we putting it on? Uh, any type of meat. <laughs> okay. I would do like the mustard mayo relish. Mustard mayo relish. No, ketchup. It's got to be. I mean, sorry, ketchup. Sorry, ketchup mayo relish. Ooh, I don't think I've tried that one. I mean, that's like what like a thousand island dressing is essentially. Yeah. 
So, okay. So you heard me on Dr. Drew. Yeah. That's how I found you. Had you heard the term adult child before? No. And that's what like makes me so mad about this whole thing. I always knew I was, I came from a dysfunctional family. That was like family, like that, that was like the one thing everyone can agree on. We're all very dysfunctional. Right. And I was in Al-Anon for like, by the time I found you, uh, eight years, therapy, lots of therapy. Nobody ever told me this. I didn't even know there was a 12-step program for dysfunctional families. Otherwise, I would have been there. But yeah, I still remember the day I listened to your Dr. Drew episode and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. And then I immediately went to your podcast and then I slam dunked all your episodes that were <laughs> available. I think I, I think I listened to two and then I immediately went on the adult child webs or um, ACA website and I ordered all the books. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah. And that's like, I got the big red book and started reading it and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Mind blown. So talk about what was going on for you then. Okay. So I... Obviously not a relationship. I mean, it's never a relationship, oh, right? Oh, God, no. No, never. <laughs> no, at that time. Uh, so my long-term partner and I were breaking up. Um, and I have since come to the realization that he is a horribly abusive narcissist, not, not physically, but emotionally. And there's something called reactive abuse where they poke and poke and poke you. And they, they uh, secretly covertly abuse you, abuse you, abuse you. And somebody like me, I hold it down. I tamp it down. I tamp it down. And then I have these explosive events where I can mimic the abuse that I grew up with. Mm. And I go, I'm like, I'm this terrible person. How could you behave this way? How could you act like Sherry? How could you do this? What is wrong with you? You are wrong. You are bad. And that's what was going on for me at that time. I did not realize what I was putting up with. I didn't realize what was going on. I just had these horribly explosive events where I was deeply shamed, ashamed, shame of what I had done, but I didn't understand that it it wasn't me. I, it was me, but it, it wasn't organically me, you know? So we're breaking up and it was after one of these events where I had behaved horribly and I was just so confused and just down a shame spiral. You know, you said it to me so many times too around that time. Like I would, I would write crying, bawling, horribly sobbing. And you're like, I remember one time you were like, I, I think you're, you're running down a shame spiral right now. And I always think about that too, when I think about shame and when I'm journaling about shame and when I'm talking to my therapist about shame, like, yeah, I can go down a shame spiral like no other. Thank God at this point, one year later, can I can recognize, recognize it. it. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
And I, I give myself the grace of, yeah, you, you did something wrong. You did something you shouldn't have, but here's why. And let's not be ashamed of it because these are the tools that you develop to deal with things. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how you did it. And we're doing something different now. So that's okay. Everything's okay. Yeah. You know, I remember having this conversation with you. I had known you for a couple months, but you were, you had started talking to your ex again and you were saying how you were the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It was like a conversation where it's like, I'm trying to get through to you, but I understand because I've been in these positions too, where it's just like, it doesn't matter what the other person says. But it was, you know, it, it's like we want to shake people and people wanted to shake me so much. Like, what the fuck are you like? Come on. Like, don't you see this? You know, and like and I remember feeling so frustrated with myself because I'm like, what? It's that control. It's that thinking that we can get through to our families as well. Right. But it was like you, you you're not seeing reality anymore. And just I just wanted to shake the shit out of you. But there's nothing that we can do because I've fucking been there, too. I get it. And honestly, honestly, that was the path I had to go down. Yep. Because if I didn't, I would always have it in the back of my mind mm-hmm. that I did something wrong. And today, after going through all that and going down that path that you knew was wrong, my sister knew was wrong, people knew was wrong, but I had to go down that path to get to where I am today. Mm -hmm. And thank God I did. Honestly, Mm -hmm. all that pain I went through and it was, it was a tremendous amount of pain that I went through to go down that path. But thank God I did. Because today I know number one, I did everything I could. Number two, I know I'm completely different. Mm-hmm. And number three, I outgrew. No, 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 no. I, I know. I'm no, no. I'm so much better than that situation mm-hmm. now. I am so much above that situation now. You know, I've done so much good work for myself. It was a very. It's a very similar experience to what I had with Brian. Number two, because we broke up, and then I started going to therapy, and then I started hanging out with him again but I was like continuing to do the work. And I was then able to step away from the relationship where it was like, finally my choice. And like, I wasn't spiraling out of control or completely, completely falling apart. And it was, it was because I was doing that work and growing. Yeah. That experience of, of I'm doing all this work in therapy, me and Allison, my therapist were, we're just fucking jamming along, dude. I've got my inner child locked down. I've got, uh, you know, a resolution of a lot of feelings from my childhood locked down. We're good to go on that. And then I got this idiot over here who's bringing me down, you know, and, and my therapist, she, she, God bless her. She's the best. She tried telling me too. And she's like, well, she kept saying, well, Colleen, honey, I think you got some, some things you're trying to resolve from childhood. 
mm-hmm. keep on keeping on basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, there was the point where I was kind of hiding from her. I started hiding from her. Cause I knew, I knew it was so wrong what I was doing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what I was putting myself through. And it was me putting myself through it. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was wrong. And there was a day where I, I text her and I was like, Allison, I'm sorry. I've been hiding from you. This is what's going on. This is what I'm doing to fix it. And I'm, she's like, thank God. Basically, she was like, thank God you, you left him. Um, You are so much better than this situation. Mm -hmm. She told me, you know, and we talked soon after and, you know, she was just like, Cause I told her I like had, you know, a bad week where basically I laid in bed for a week and then I rolled over and grabbed my, grabbed my books and started, you know, started journaling, started doing the work. And she's like, so yeah, you did all the right things. Like everything that we've been working on, you just naturally gravitated back towards. Mm Mm-hmm. Look at me go. This is the best breakup I've ever had. Like <laughs> I didn't fucking fall apart. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the next indicated action, right? Like I grabbed my shit and started running, you know? Mm-hmm. And when was that? When did it end end? Uh July. July. Nice. No yeah. contact, right? Say it again. No contact. No contact, baby. And no contact. So let's talk about your really pleasant childhood. Oh. <laughs> yeah let's do it all right so I'm the oldest of four kids Sherry my mother uh we call her Sherry because I can have empathy for Sherry but none for mom um Sherry my dad Sherry is the daughter of an alcoholic And you know how they say alcoholism does not skip a generation. It just manifests itself differently. So she wasn't a drinker, but she was everything else. Mm -hmm. God bless her. Um, They were married for about 10 years before I came along. And what I actually discovered not too long ago was I was a save. I always knew I was a save a marriage baby, but I didn't exactly know the circumstances behind it she was working at a bank and she got arrested for stealing and I guess my dad was gonna leave her apparently um and then she magically became pregnant with me very quickly after and then I came along and then uh 18 months later my brother 18 months after that my sister and a few years after that my little sister So, uh, Sherry was a stay-at-home mom and my dad was in sales. And I don't know much about my dad's upbringing. His mom was a nurse like me and his dad was in construction. They died before I was born. But I have some suspicions. I kind of wonder if maybe his dad had some drinking something I don't know I can't figure it out I'm trying to gather up as much information about his side of the family as I can but um so anyway there's a reason why he put up with Sherry's behavior there that's that's my point there's a fucking reason I can't quite figure it out so I came along 
and then quickly everyone else. And our household was just a chaotic disaster. Sherry was just an angry, angry, shaming, horribly physically abusive and verbally abusive parent. And I was the oldest, so I was put in the, I was, a, I was scapegoat slash like the little adults mm-hmm. where I listened to Sherry. I was Sherry's little therapist. I was my dad's little therapist. I was praised for listening to them. I was praised for taking care of the little kids. Like my dad was emotionally unavailable. So like if he took us anywhere, you know, he was, he would just walk off. So at like five, like I remember my little sister was born when I was eight. And I remember being the most neurotic little kid because dad would just walk off. And then my little siblings were over here. They're walking off. Like we're in a fucking department store and I'm like grabbing them. I'm like grabbing my dad. I'm like, mm. I'm the only one like paying attention, paying attention. <laughs> like that'll fuck you up royally, you know, but we loved going out with my dad because my dad was nice at least, you know, and didn't hit us. So, <laughs> just this weird fucked up situation, you know? What was your mom like with your siblings? So my sister, Katie, um, she looks the most like my mom and she has all the hobbies that my mom has, you know, and Katie is definitely my mom's favorite. So she always sort of doted on her, you know, slash made her responsible for a lot of things too. So it's a weird fucked up dynamic as of course it is. Uh, my brother was like athletic and in sports. So a lot of stuff was put on him um, as far as like golden child, like our trophy child, you know. And then my little sister, Erin, uh, she she was sort of the lost child. because She came along so much later than, mm-hmm. I mean, eight years between her and I, right? So by that time, Sherry and my dad were just like fucking done being parents, like done done and you know I I was her I ended up being her Girl Scout leader when she was growing up and I ended up taking her to like school events like she was in um debate in high school and so like I became a debate parent like I I learned what debate was learned how to coach it uh not coach I'm sorry judge it so I would take her to all of our meets and like I was like a judge it's pretty fun pretty entertaining actually um but like I, I ended up doing a lot of the parent stuff with her, mm. which was a f- weird fucked up dynamic to this day between her and I, because like, I'm, I'm supposed to be a parent to her. I, she's my sister, you know, I, I, I was, uh, I acted like I was a parent to her in a lot of ways that, that I should not have. Mm-hmm. And th- that's on me, you know, but that was just wow. You were a kid too. exactly I was a kid too right and so I didn't do anything wrong I just did what was what I thought I was supposed to do right I did the best I could was there an awareness that what you were experiencing at home wasn't normal oh my god yes so I remember I was um it was like eighth grade I was on overnight science camp 
for like a week. And no, I was in seventh grade going in eighth grade. And I remember there's this eighth grader that was like cool. And I, um, I looked up to him. I just thought he was like, he was like, like a kid who had it all together. You know, he was smart and he was nice and, you know, so sociable. And just, I remember his name was Marlon. And I remember telling Marlon, like, something's wrong with me. Mm. Like, I, I opened up to him for a minute and I was like, something's wrong. I, I, I'm not normal. And I remember he was like, I, I don't kind of like, I don't know what that means, you know? And I was, and I just remember, I was like, I, I don't know what that means either, but I'm, I'm not right. You know? And I always knew like my family situation wasn't right because I, I hid so much of what was really going on. And I knew so much of what was really going on in my house was wrong. I remember oh God, uh, fourth grade. All right. Sherry and Russell had had, or my dad had a huge fight before school, right? Sat us down. We're going to get a divorce. And then sends us right off to school. A car, a fucking carpool full of children crying that their parents are going to get divorced. And I remember rolling up to school, walking towards my friends, crying, bawling. My parents are going to get a divorce. Those friends told their parents, their parents gossip, 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 got back to Sherry, right? And Sherry's like, how could you tell people that we're getting a divorce? Well, girl, isn't that what you just told us? You know, it somehow became my fault. Like, I knew all these behaviors were wrong. This is all wrong. You know, and it's like a little kid in a room full of people gaslighting you. And you're just like, mm. this is wrong. Like, somebody help me. I'm not crazy. This is wrong. You know? <laughs> what was it that led you into Al-Anon? Oh, my ex-husband. So, <laughs> bless his heart. I met Chris when um, I was an ER tech and he was a respiratory therapist. We met, started dating. He doted on me like I was the fucking moon, the stars, uh, at the sun rose and set at my feet. You know, I'd never been treated like that before. And we got married and I always knew Chris had a drinking problem, not not a drinking problem he drank a lot right and but he loved me and his drinking wasn't a problem in my immature 26 27 year old mind coming from the family I came from coming from the coming from the situation that I came from this man loved me you know never mind that we got engaged go on driving to Vegas to have a fucking bender of a weekend when I asked him, no, I can't go because I have to study for nursing school. And I'll never fucking forget, like, the second we got married, changing completely around. All mm -hmm. of a sudden, all the things that were so perfect about me were now a problem. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I couldn't do anything right. I remember the first time we had a huge fight. He was drunk. And he was just raging at me, right? Raging, raging, raging. And somehow I got a hold of his cell phone and I threw it. And in that moment, I knew that was not a behavior that I 
did, but Mm. that was not me. And I knew in that moment, like, oh, that's a problem. That's all right. I'll fix it. (laughs) I'll love him more. I'll, I'll do all the things more and more and more. So I, I make it to RN school, right? Uh, it's the break between third and fourth semester. I had a stroke. It was a back. Of, it was a stroke in the back of my brain, so it wasn't debilitating or anything. But I had to take a semester off of school. I went back to school January first, and his drinking had ramped up, and he was just acting like just insane. He was going to the casino every night. Um, he f- was fighting people. Just, and meanwhile, I'm just over here. I'm just concentrating on school. I'm like, girl, you got, you got to finish school. You have to finish school. You have to finish school. Like you had a stroke, like you have to finish school. And he came home, we'll say six weeks into, into nursing school. He's like, I don't want to be married anymore. You're going to have to move out, find some place to live. And bye went to his mom's house and I was just like, Oh my fucking God, dude. I had, I wasn't working because I was in school. Um, I just had a stroke. He cleaned out our joint account. I had, I had received, my dad had passed away at that point and I had $20,000 of inheritance that he had blown through. Mm. And I was literally homeless with a dog (laughs) in nurse, in, you know, I had like just a couple some or a couple weeks left of nursing school. I was just like, what the fuck? Out of the grace of God, my best friend at the time, she's like, come move in with me. You're going to finish school. I had enough money to feed my dog and put gas in my car. And I, oh God. Oh, I, I passed. I passed. I became a nurse. I like, oh God, that was. That could have gone so bad, but by the grace of God, I, I finished, I finished, I did it. I did it. When did you start going to Al-Anon? Oh, I'm sorry. That was your question. I'm sorry. So my sister was, he was drinking so much. My sister's like, girl, you got to start going to Mm Al-Anon. When I was in school, um, before, so, so before I had a stroke, um, I had been going to Al-Anon off and on, but it was causing us problems. So I stopped going to Al-Anon. And then after he, his, like, he came home and he was like, I don't want to be married anymore. I don't head first in, man, I was, I, I was going to a meeting a day there for a while, um, or at least trying to, I got the books. I was reading every day. Like, this is the only thing keeping me sane. This is the only thing that's going to get me through school. And yeah, I, for years, I was going to my weekly, I had a women's group meeting um, at a church around the corner from my house. And I was going weekly and I, I took a commitment. I was a uh, uh, literature, you know, just to make sure that I was going to keep going. Like I, you got to go, you got to go. I did something else too. But like, that was the thing that saved my life. Mm. That saved my life because I had at the very least, a group of women who knew what I was going through mm-hmm. were so supportive, who just, I could go to the meetings and there were so many people there that had so much time 
under their belts that I could listen to them and be Mm -hmm. like, okay, everything's going to be okay. Eventually, everything's going to be okay. Eventually, you will be seen again. Eventually, this will be over, you know, and I like I still think about those women and thank God that they they were put in my path because they really saved me in a time that I had no one, you know, I, I was so alone, you know, and going through such a horrible experience. Mm -hmm. So when you look at the laundry list, would you say, is it trait 12 that impacts you the most or what has been the most painful? 12 is, um, the relationship. The intimate one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hell yeah. 12. Yes. It was so funny. Cause we, um, in my step study group, we were just going over that and yeah, 12, 12 is like the most major one for me. Yes. For anybody who doesn't know it's, um, we are dependent personalities who are terrified of abandonment and will do anything to hold on to a relationship in order not to experience painful abandonment feelings, which we experience from living with people who are never there for us emotionally. <laughs> I think I added some words in there, but God, the first time I read that, I was like, Oh, oh yes, because I'm, am such a strong and capable person. And mm-hmm. I, by the grace of God, have put myself into a position where I financially, I don't need anyone, but I still hold on to these relationships that don't serve me mm-hmm. because I can't be abandoned again. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can't experience the what I experienced throughout my childhood I can't do it again I can't do it again and but I pick people who mirror my uh the experiences from my childhood mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've been doing a lot of really deep like inner child work over the past year and just suffered a loss yeah and I'm just wondering where have you seen growth in how you have been handling the loss of your brother? Where are you able to see the gifts of recovery and the change in yourself as it relates to um, losing your brother? So just trigger warning, guys. So um, my brother um, had schizophrenia. and He'd been suffering from schizophrenia for 17, 18, 17 years very paranoid he committed suicide a month ago so when Sean my brother first came to came out that he was schizophrenic because he had been MIA for uh, since shortly after my dad died so for several years he's just gone so anyway anyway long story short it comes to find out like he um he he was was put on a 5150 hold because he tried, he attempted suicide. He was put into a psychiatric unit. He calls me. He's like, Hey, I'm getting released. So I went and picked him up and we started our relationship again, you know, after so many years lapsed. And, you know, that's when he told me he was schizophrenic and, and all that. And eventually he was put into, cause he's a veteran. Thank God he was a veteran. Veteran services were amazing. He got housing. He he got the cert- the mental health services he needed. But unfortunately, he did relapse. And um, we hadn't spoken in a year by the time he, he died. Before, I think I would have really torn myself apart mm. because I didn't save him 
I didn't protect him the way I should have. But today, after all the work I've done this year, I know I did the best I could with him. I'm not his savior. I'm not his mother. I'm his sister. And I did the best I could. And I let him have the dignity he to live his life on his terms. Mm-hmm. I am not sick like he was sick, you know, so I can't sit here and judge or uh, try to project the way I feel like he should be. Mm-hmm. He is his own self, you know, and I, I let him have that dignity. And I think me sitting here today and knowing that and not beating myself up for what happened to him. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. I wrote him a, a letter. <laughs> and, you know, I told him everything I wanted to tell him. And I told him that in the letter. And I was like, I'm sorry if I didn't do enough, but I was giving you the grace to do, to live your life and me not manage your life for you. And I think we're fine. You know, I think like, I think I did the right thing, as painful mm-hmm. as it is. You know? It's a mistaken belief that that you could have done anything, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I know he's not in pain anymore, and I know he was in so much pain. Mm-hmm. So, I love him forever. I'm sorry, lost. Mm-hmm. So, what are three things that you like about yourself? I am so resilient. <laughs> I really am. Like there's so much that we haven't even talked about like and I was able to overcome it and do the right thing and like get through it and learn and grow from each of these situations mm-hmm. and I love that about myself I love that I'm always willing to learn I am always trying to take situations and make them better for me Make, make me smarter out of all these situations, you know? And I am just, <laughs> I really like myself. I am really like this year, like I really have come to like get to know my inner child, you know, like develop a really good relationship with her and really get to know who I am as a person. And I really like who I am as a person. Like, I think I'm, I entertain myself. <laughs> like I am not a perfect person by any stretch, but I am a good person and I'm mm. smart and like funny. And I am all these things that I always wanted to be. And I, but I am those things. I just, realized it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were always that way. Okay. So what's a hope or dream you have for your future? I have decided to go back to school mm-hmm. to do um, mental health nurse practitioner. And I think I, that, I mean, that, that is my hope, my dream. Like I, 
my therapist is like, that's an amazing thing for you because you've had all these life experiences, you know, like you can really help people. And there's a desperate need for it. Yeah. And, and my therapist is so funny. She's like, you know, all these people want to go to school to do, you know, to be a therapist or to do all these things in the mental health community, but they don't have any life experience. They've never experienced anything. She's like, you have, that's amazing. You're going to help so many people. Mm-hmm. She's so on board with it too. She's like, yes, I'm going to help you with your clinicals. Like we're, we're doing this. I love that. I know. Yeah. No, there's such a desperate need for people that get it. Yeah. You know? Unlike your therapist who didn't know what aces were. <laughs> oh, fucking Lyle. Yeah. How about the session where I ended up like having a counseling session with him? Yeah. Yeah. I paid for that too. I paid for the experience of being Lyle's therapist for a session. Shout out Lyle. <laughs> I hope. Okay. Hopefully there's not, there's somebody listening right now. Whose therapist is Lyle. It's probably not that Lyle. We don't know what Lyle it is, but I'm sure that there's good. I'm sure that there's good Lyle therapists out there, but this one in particular wasn't. So that's all we'll say. Bless his heart. Although maybe he's checking out ACA. Maybe he found this podcast. Yeah. What up, Lyle? <laughs> hey, Lyle. <laughs> thanks, Next man. week on Shit Show Saturday, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you, Lyle. We're going to get you. <laughs> Thank you. That was great. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adultchild. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adultchildpod, and give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, and I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye! Let it